segues. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't want to do them, no. and then you don't. <laughs> you know, see, if we were a professional podcast, Jake, I think you would, you know, spend five, ten minutes before we actually get on the air and think, you know, I'm going to have to have a way to introduce this. I should write something out, write something profound, something eloquent, something about movies and video games and Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool and everything that sums up the pathos of man. Dan Lebetard-esque. Yes. The way he would do is highly questionable every once in a while and read a soliloquy about the brutality and the beauty of the brutality of football and then mankind's exactly. quest for meaning and exactly. Or you could even go, you could even go the trailer route in a mm. world in which Ryan Reynolds plays this dude or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing out suggestions, you know, some, some many popular podcasts don't even have these little teasers at all. They just intro music and then just start the show. Really? Just a cold? Is, is that called a cold open? I have no idea. Technically, this is more of the cold open, right? The, not, the no context, just talk about whatever you want and then move into gotcha. a show about something else entirely. Gotcha. So this so is... Really, this is a lot more like a cold open than anything. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I am feeling chilly, even though my office is super, super warm. Hmm. All right, time to roll the theme music. <laughs> what is up, my nerds? Welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know It All. I'm Jake. Hi, I'm Paul. Welcome back inside our crazy brains. And into a special cinematic video game themed edition of Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. Sponsored by, asterisk, but asterisk meaning <laughs> not actually sponsored by, Free Guy in a theater near you. Or possibly just somewhere to rent if you're listening to this in the future. In which case, welcome into the past, dear time traveler. <laughs> they might be plugging the whole movie right into their brains by the time they listen to this. You never know. Could be. Could be. But I didn't plug this movie in my brain. I watched it in an honest-to-goodness theater. Paid for a ticket. Well, I didn't pay for a ticket. Somebody else paid for a ticket for me because I have good friends who love me. <laughs> so Not me. Wasn't Paul this time around. But he'll, I, have a, I have a sense that he'll be paying for a ticket of mine here soon. In a... Roundabout sort of way. In a roundabout sort of way. In a roundabout sort of way. But Free Guy, it's in theaters. It's Ryan Reynolds. And it got us thinking. It's a movie about a video game character sort of gaining sentience. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you've got a movie that's about a video game, even though it's not a real video game. Got us sort of thinking, hey, what movies deserve to be turned into video games? Because that never goes wrong. 
I mean, people today still talk about how great the E.T. video game was back in the 80s. You know, the one that sold terribly and looked like you were moving a blob of poop around your your screen. And then they ended up having to bury all bury like all the unsold copies in the landfill somewhere. Was it like 250,000 or something like that? It was a lot. Significant. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, given the illustrious history of Hollywood uh, movies turning into fantastic video games, we figured we'd give Hollywood a couple of more great ideas to uh, get to work on <laughs> by doing a rank geeks of our top films that should be turned into video games. I've got some great ones. And of fantastic course, ones. Of course, after we get through Paul's fantastic list. Fantastic. People are going to jump on my list and start making them immediately. Immediately. After we talk about that, which will happen after we talk about our thoughts on Free Guy, the film, we're going to do the most least important thing, which is the way we love to wrap up every single little show of ours. So, Paul, being a fan of... Uh, as little ado as possible, I think it's time we transition to talking about Free Guy. So, Free Guy. Free Guy. I described it in my review as a combination of the Lego movie meets The Matrix, meets Ready Player One. And, you know, you didn't put this in your review, but The Truman Show, question mark? The Truman Show, it could be. I've never seen The Truman Show, so I couldn't vouch for that. But, yeah, um, yeah, Free Guy, I, I have to say it was an interesting little setup. And the setup, briefly, is this. Um, Ryan Reynolds plays this guy, named Guy, who uh, who lives in a town called Free City. This uh, this city feels a lot like Grand Theft Auto. There's a little bit of Fortnite going on there, but it has a lot of a lot of chaos in this city. Um, banks are robbed every five ten minutes. People are shot. Tanks run over cars. Helicopters crash into buildings. It's a really chaotic city. It feels not much like Colorado Springs, where I live. Mm. Um, you just don't see that many bank robberies take place in, in Colorado Springs, um, at least that I've seen. But in reality, of course, Free City is a video game, and, uh, and, and Guy is just one of the non-player characters, the NPCs that, that, that populate it. Um, but here's the thing. He is slowly coming to understand that he might be more than just an NPC. Of course, he doesn't know that he's an NPC, but unlike most NPCs who just go about their day, you know, doing what they do, making coffee, walking down the street, getting shot, um, he finds that he is, he has this yearning for this special girl, uh, this, this woman who he has imagined for all of his, literally all of his life. And, uh, and then one day, he sees her walking down the street. He says, I must go talk with her. But, of course, it's going to be really hard because she's actually a player. She wears sunglasses. And you can't have the NPCs going off rogue talking with, with a player. So 
he essentially decides, even though he thinks he's a real person, he decides to get a pair of sunglasses himself because he knows that if he gets sunglasses, he will be cool enough to actually talk with her. And so he does rather violently. And that's where the movie sort of jumps into, into its own. There you have it. This is a Sean Levy joint. And this feels pretty akin to what you've come to expect from director Sean Levy, who's done things such as the Night at the Museum films and the, uh, this, the Pink Panther film. The modern Pink Panther film with Steve Martin, not the original. Uh, Date Night with Steve Carell. The Internship. This is where I leave you. What you have here is just a really surprisingly heartfelt PG-13 piece of cotton candy that maybe has got some pop rocks in it. (laughs) I think that's fair enough. I mean, it is – I actually – Enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, I went in there not with the greatest of expectations. Um, I, I do, I do like Ryan Reynolds. He is yeah. a funny dude. It makes me a little bit angry that he is both really good looking and super funny. And he is quite funny in this. I thought the setup was really very clever. You know, as you said, it's not a video game. It's not based on any one video game, but it definitely feels very akin to what we experience in a video game world. I'm not, I do not play these massively multiplayer role-playing games, but I do play some role-playing games and, and it definitely (laughs) felt, it felt like it knew what it was talking about, which is interesting in a way, because I think oftentimes when people make movies based on video games, they're terrible. Mm. They are terrible. And I think a lot of it is because the the movie makers don't understand what made the video games popular in the first place. They just sort of take on sort of the the, the overlay, if you will, and think, oh, this will be a great movie. And it's always terrible. This one was not based on a real video game, but you got the sense that the people who made it understood the charm of video games to the people who play it. And and that actually made it work right from the get-go for me. Yeah, it, it was willing to both sort of pay homage to these massively multiplayer online role-playing games while also gently poking fun mm-hmm. at the games and the people who play the games in ways that do feel very uh, real and honest <laughs> to those of us who have dabbled some – to, for myself, as an example, I have not done a ton right. in the MMORPG world, but I do remember vividly sort of in my junior high and early high school days playing this one called RuneScape online. And yeah, I would – at the time, this is how old school this really was. I would use a landline to call my friend so we could play <laughs> it together. We could pick the right server to get on and, all right, I'm going to meet you in this spot. But you know the the types of interactions, even for somebody who has not played a real MMORPG since RuneScape, did feel very apropos to what you would experience even though you haven't played this specific game. Uh, even down to some of the crass things – that maybe you might be more likely to experience in something like Halo, where you see a, a player, you know, make a kill and then start teabagging his, yes. his yes. 
his oh prey. Oh my goodness, man! Yes, yeah, some of these, some of the elements in the game were a little bit crass, a little bit over the top. But from what I understand, in these role playing games, that's oftentimes what happens. And yeah, this, it was actually probably pretty tame, if anything. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's it stays within the PG thirteen realm, right? right? And but you do one of the points of the movies is that there's something about these games that people just tend to act like jerks sometimes. Um, I, I was, I was amused by all of the bad behavior that we saw within this game in some ways, because it really does feel like you, you always hear about, about people talking about trolls. I'm sure that, that, that you have these people who want to play the game and they find their experience ruined all the time. Free City feels like it's populated entirely by trolls, so much so that when uh, when Guy gets his sunglasses and he starts to try to rack up points, he can see sort of the giddy video game world behind the facade. He's trying to rack up points so he can get to level 100 and talk to this dream girl of his. He makes a commitment to play as a good guy and... It is so unusual that someone plays as a good guy that he becomes like a out of, you know, in the real world type of celebrity. People are doing television shows on him. They're they're featuring him on the newscast. And and so it does show just sort of how things can degenerate on these online video games. And it's funny to as you talk about the way it spills over in the movies universe into the real world. Uh, there's this sense, I think, for the older – some people maybe in the older audience that still don't get how real that is for most people 40 and under these days, even 50 and under yeah. these days, how how commonly held video games are and far-reaching they are. I mean to the – especially in younger circles to the point where you know I was laughing about it in one scene where we see um, a cameo – by uh why can i not think of his name now off the top uh, channing tatum cameo, yeah. cameo by the actor channing tatum that includes him doing a series of dance moves very yeah. fortnite-esque and it, it harkened back to a couple of years ago when at church uh for children's church where we go to church uh they they set back word through our children that Fortnite dances were no longer allowed during <laughs> praise and worship time yeah. at that's and hilarious. that's just sort of the pervasiveness of these types of games and that is something that i think uh free guy really captured pretty well yeah yeah and and i do think that you're right i think the people who aren't in the culture just don't get it and they don't they they feel like this is sort of this offshoot of culture that that not many people are into but i'm i'm over 50 i really dig video games they are mainstream and when you look at some of the most popular games out there they are out earning the most popular movies i mean you have these these video games that are are selling millions upon millions of units they're making hundreds of millions of dollars these are huge deals and and it's actually a little bit surprising that it's taken this long i mean you could argue that ready player one sort of dabbled in that world um but it's taken a long time for it to feel like there's been a true crossover property 
that that really honors and maybe it's honors is too strong of a word, but that's what it feels like. Honors sort of video gaming and video game culture. You could you know, give, I'd put Wreck-It Ralph in that territory. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I would say that. But when you, when you, again, when I go back to the very, the most popular movies based on video games, and there have been some big budget movies, right? Tomb Raider, whatnot. Um, you have, you have this sense that they're trying to cross over from a limited marketplace to a wider audience. Yeah. I don't think that that's really true. I'm not sure if it was true then, and it's certainly not true now. Um, so it's nice to see that, I think, in this movie. Yeah. So with uh, I wanted to circle back around on Ryan Reynolds. You're right. It's unfair that not only is he handsome, he's funny. It's even worse when you consider the fact that he's 45. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> what? Man, I hate him so much. He legitimately looks like a 29-year-old <laughs> in this film. And like Man. a good-looking 29-year-old. Not yeah. not a 29-year-old who you're like, oh, yeah, he's, he's hanging on. No, it's good. What he's a jerk. Upper echelon 29-year-old. <laughs> I do have to say, though, and I'll let you circle back, but I do have to say when he was he, when he fell in love with this woman who is probably in our mid 20s, yes. I did get a little bit of a creepy feeling about that relationship. And yeah, the actress Jodie Comer is 17 years younger than him. <laughs> yeah, I, and I thought it was actually kind of funny because they made sort of a weird flip around reference to that because, you know, the Jodie Comer who's, who plays Millie in mm-hmm. the movie, her business partner essentially says, you know, Keys is his name, says, wait, you're falling for this guy in the video game. He's like, what? Four, you know, (laughs) up in age, but no, of course he is literally four years old. Yeah. And it was funny prior to, I was making this comment to a friend of the show, Tim Nestor, who I saw the movie with afterwards, the fact that they had in the, the previews before the film showed the trailer for the last duel an upcoming medieval film where she plays the same actress, Jodie Comer plays the wife of Matt Damon, who is even older than Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> it's like six years older, so 23 years older. But then you're like, okay, it's it's a medieval film, so that age difference probably tracks. <laughs> Unfortunately, Unfortunately, it probably does. It probably does. But coming back to Ryan Reynolds, what I really ended up appreciating about Free Guy was this – it was the way it allowed Reynolds to explore his – what feels like a very impromptu style of sarcastically, innocently sarcastic humor yeah, without leaving you feeling covered in grime afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as funny as he can be in something like a Deadpool, it, 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 and you're laughing about it, but you just, you feel bad about it. Kind of no matter who you are, you just feel gross about some of the things that you're asked to laugh about in that sense. Uh, whereas the types of opportunities that they gave Ryan Reynolds to to freestyle with his sort of innocent sarcasm within Free Guy just felt refreshing. Yeah. like and And funnier because of it. Yeah, I think so. 
I totally agree. He he is just a funny dude, and and it goes back. I mean, I feel like I you're you're asking me to get up on my usual soapbox. You don't need to be filthy to be funny, you know. And and I think that this movie proves it. I think that Ryan Reynolds' brand of humor works really well if you just ratchet it back like like a step and a half, right. Because, and that's what I always said about the Deadpool movies, which are, honest to goodness, really funny. A lot of what he says and does in those movies is not R-rated. I mean, a lot of the funniest parts are actually, you know, PG-13 level humor. But but they do have to go over the top for those. I, like you, Paul, was not sure what to expect of Free Guy coming in because there is such a history of movies about video games being pretty hit or miss even when they weren't based on real video games like the one about like the nintendo power glove back in the 80s <laughs> which wasn't about any specific video game <laughs> that's what i want to see actually the nintendo it's on the backlist for you yeah yeah, yeah with, with good old fred savage fred savage was in it little I'm sure. savage i'm pretty sure Pretty sure he was. I'll get the title for you so we can um, add it to both of our backlists. I really, yeah, we need to watch that. That's That would be a treat for me. Paul, what was the standout moment for you in Free Guy? Oh, that's a really good question. I, um, I, I really liked... <laughs> I really liked when they talked about bubblegum ice cream. I thought that their 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 relationship was really cool. I thought that the uh when they leapt out of the building on the motorcycle firing their guns, I thought that felt like a very video game moment to me. But honestly, I I really just liked how nice guy was to everybody. I liked him talking to his goldfish. I liked his interaction with his best buddy buddy i liked i liked all of those you know the the scene that i did not like Mm. and maybe this speaks to how effective he was i didn't like watching antoine in action the big the 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 big quote-unquote creator of man was he a jerk in this movie i cannot believe that he was more of a jerk in this than he was in jojo rabbit when he played hitler I just it was it was sort of a revelation to me. <laughs> I don't even know if we can say. Uh, do I have to cut that clip? I don't know. Were you know. compared a narcissistic video game <laughs> well, magnet as worse than Hitler? <laughs> he just he really rubbed me the wrong way. He was just such a jerk with his with his tennis shoes and his attitude and. I am Hitler was a much, 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 much worse person, I am sure. Clearly. Than Antoine. Clearly. But in terms of like the character likability, you like the imagination version, the, the little boy's imagination. Exactly. The little boy was imagining. Yeah, which was clearly story. meant to be a delusion. Yes. In Jojo Rabbit. It I was, am not I am not saying that Hitler is not the worst person ever. Cool. Good. Glad we got that on tape. (laughs) (laughs) I feel weird that I even have to specify that and just make sure that everybody understands. Yes, Hitler was very, 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 very bad. The funny part is, is somebody could still isolate the clip of you and take it out of context, which is the wonderful thing about 
audio and video, <laughs> you know, content. Well, just- and, and it gets back to, I think one of the main points of free guy, which is, which is someone, if, if someone really wanted to, they probably would because, you know, social media and the internet culture and video gaming culture, they tend to bring out the worst in people. And sometimes sure. you need someone like guy to show us how to be human in these digital environments. That's right. And I always thought about this, even as a kid, and I would get a VHS or I'd look at a DVD case of a movie that I knew wasn't very good because I had just watched it or, you know, I had Intel or I had read reviews or whatever it was. But on the jewel case, whether it was the VHS or the DVD case, it would have, you know, three lines from the Rolling Stone review saying yeah. a fantastic film and I'd be like, did you just clip that from a sentence where it said i wish this was a fantastic film and then you just took the a fantastic film and quoted rolling stone magazine yeah yeah i've actually had that happen with some oh, yeah? of my reviews yeah i cannot i cannot think of verbatim what they were but yes some some words some select words have been cherry-picked from my reviews before slapped up on advertising to market this particular movie and well what can you do what Not can a great you do? feeling right <laughs> for me i think there were a lot of i there were a lot of laugh out loud moments in free guy uh i i didn't think the final act of the film was as strong as sort of the first two thirds of it like if i split yeah. it up into thirds i'd say the first two thirds i thought were really strong and the final third was it was all right it was good but it doesn't it doesn't leap into great territory the way like the final act of something like Lego movie, since you compare it to the Lego movie, <laughs> the final act of Lego movie just sort of left you like, whoa, now that was something. That was a way to end the film. That's the that's way, the way it left you for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and millions of others around the world, Paul, just for reference. <laughs> so let me but go. oh go ahead. But uh uh, but I lost my train of thought. I'm Paul sorry. Interrupted I'm me sorry. there. So, Paul, why don't you keep going? <laughs> well, when I think about the last third of the movie, and I don't, I'm really, you're kind of the spoiler guy, and I really don't like to spoil, so I don't want to say too much. But I do think that it took an interesting, an interesting spiritual twist. Mm. You know, because as I was thinking about it, so I watched Free Guy and Respect. Free Guy and Respect came out the same weekend, and Respect is the Aretha Franklin story. I, I write for this Christian movie review site. Respect was obviously had a lot of very spiritual content. I actually thought Free Guy was more spiritual, and I wrote about it, you know, elsewhere and, and on a blog on Pathios. Watching it, God. Paul A.C. Pathios. That is correct. That is correct. Shameless plug right there. Read it. It's a really good story. Um, But, you know, it talks a little bit about the nature of creation. And it talks about free will, obviously. Free will is sort of embedded within this movie's whole conceit. Um, But I loved the idea of how this world had sort of become this fallen place um, from, from an outside force. But when you think about the last third of the movie where you see this sort of Eden lurking in the foreground, it felt like a great sequel in the making because as we all know, free will, which guy now has, and all of his NPCs now have, that's where the troll behavior of free city eventually 
comes from is from our own free will, the idea that we are in it for ourselves, the idea that we can do whatever we want without consequences. What happens when these NPCs go over to this Eden-like world that they have just discovered, populated? How soon is it before they start realizing that, yeah, this is a pretty great place, but wouldn't it be greater if I could do something off the grid, something that would please only me, something that might hurt somebody? You know, these are things that I think the sequel might delve into, which I would frankly love to see. And according to some reporting from IGN, Ryan Reynolds has already said that a sequel is coming to Free Guy. And it's not hard to see how they could go with some of that Edenic, some of those themes there. So we'll see, especially since so much of this, like you said, revolved around this idea of AI and free will and yeah, uh, making our own choices. Like obviously, that's right in the Garden of Eden wheelhouse. It absolutely is, and free will is a wonderful thing. But as I think every single person listening would know, we don't always make the best decisions. Hmm. I mean, honestly, they should just call the movie Free Will, and it be based on a character that, like the child of fr- guy, and <laughs> another AI. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll, they'll the child, free so will. free will. Maybe they would call him Willie, will, you know, yeah. when he's a child. Right, free Willie. Yeah. No issues there. No issues. No or, issues at all. Or if you don't want to short, if you want to take it to its, you could just call it Wilfred. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Uh, oh, I did remember what I was going to say. The standout moment for me, as far as the the part of the film that I think I enjoyed the most, even though I did have several moments of laughing out loud, uh, would probably be, I'd say it's split. It's a two-way tie between when Guy finally does sort of decide to act outside of his originally designated programming and confront a bank robber. And then we get to see flashes to, you know, we hear the bank robber, he and the bank robber, the bank robber arguing. And then we get flashes to see the, the actual person playing the bank robber and being an actual child. <laughs> and the child's friend was pretty <laughs> hilarious. Pretty great. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty great. And similarly, the sequence with the Channing Tatum cameo, where he's in, a, where the Channing Tatum character, video game character, is interacting with Free Guy, and we get those flashes back and forth to the real life YouTube streamer behind that playable <laughs> character was also quite hilarious. It the movie had, and I will just mention this: the movie had some great cameos, both from from professional video gamers, actually. Um, but you also see uh, you see a certain Avenger appear. That's right. And uh, I thought that was pretty great. But my favorite cameo, I only learned from sitting through the uh, through the credits. Hmm. You know the uh, the guy who who Molotov girl talks with at the very beginning. She's sort of in this back alley and talking with right. this ruffian about something. Yep. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. You never see his face, but yes, that was Hugh Jackman underneath the mask. Theoretically. Tim Nestor, friend of the show, he called that like in that scene. 
Oh wow! See, Pikmin. <laughs> I was like, Shh, I'm trying to watch a movie. Good for you, Nestor. Good for you. There you go. Free guy, Paul. Scale of one to ten. Where does this film land for you? Seventeen. No, not quite that high. I would. I would give it a seven point five. Seven point five. Yeah, for me, this is solid 7.4 category. Yeah, I, you know, it's going to be interesting as I, as I watch movies this year. It's been a weird movie year. Um, trying to figure out what might land on my top 10. I don't think this will end up on my top 10, but you never know. And never I know. think it would make my top 20 maybe. Yeah, depends on what kind of stuff we have coming down the pike for the end of the year. August is always an interesting sort of transition. Yes, it is. You know, between the summer blockbusters and the fall, you know, indie dramas and real hard hitter Oscar award season films. So it it does sort of seem to lean more towards the summer. Like I said, cotton candy with some pop rocks in there. It does try to have some heart, but it doesn't go full Truman show. It doesn't get no. all the way there. It's no. not, I would not call it, this it a sweet. has a bodybuilder and it slaps Ryan face Ryan Reynolds' face on top of a bodybuilder at the end. It's <laughs> just not Oscar no. material. This, this is this is not one of those tear jerking, um, very sweet sentimental movies. I never came close to tears in this. No. But it is fun. And it does, and it is surprisingly thoughtful. Yes. And so before we move on to ranking our picks for movies that should become video games, I mean, maybe Free Guy should become a video game. We'll see if that shows up on anybody's list. Uh, I did want to go back to the piece of trivia for our that's related to our backlist, and that is the film with Fred Savage that was uh, sort of a shill for the Nintendo Power Glove was 1989's The Wizard. The Wizard. So there you go. You know, I'm thinking we need a wizard Mac and me double feature. Whew. Sounds heavy. <laughs> yeah. A lot of tears in that one. <laughs> now it's time for Rank Geeks. So, Jake, what is the best movie or best – yeah, what is the best movie made from a video game? Just out of curiosity, since that's not the question we did, Yeah, what is the best? The best movie that was based on a video game. See, that's real. like they're all just so – they're all just really, really bad. But it, it, you're kind of saying like it has to be based on sort of like a singular game yeah. or series of games, not yeah. like – not like a Wreck-It Ralph where it just includes... Right, no, no. It has to be a very specific game. I would say probably the best one is Resident Evil. Oh, wow. Which isn't saying much. That's not saying much at all. It says more about like the poor quality of you know, movies based on video games. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, you know what? You know what? I take that back. Tomb Raider, the new Tomb Raider, not the Angelina Jolie. Oh, the new team, Tomb Raider. That was pretty all right. Yeah. That was all right. That, that was actually, I would say that that, you know, Resident Evil, you're like, well, technically Resident Evil was kind of competent and made a lot of money. But no, the Tomb Raider with uh, Alicia Vikander, that was, 
that was actually a that was a film I would watch again. I wouldn't like go. I wouldn't like seek it out. But if someone was like, "Hey, you want to watch this Tomb Raider film?" Like, yeah, I'd watch that. Or if it was on an airplane or you know came on TV, yeah. I'd watch that. So I'd, I'd actually change that to the Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider. I think that's actually a pretty good pick. I was going to say the original Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie because there's so little to choose from, right? But right. but I, I that was at least enjoyable. It was way over the top. I think that the uh, the video game version of Lara Croft had actually a lot more humanity than than Angelina Jolie's version of it. Um, but I do think that the new Tomb Raider sort of uh, improved upon that. It did because its source material was better because mm-hmm. the the one with Angelina Jolie was based on a very two dimensional video game version of Lara Croft that did not have that much personality. So there wasn't a whole lot to go on versus the reboot of the series that this new Tomb Raider was more spiritually akin to was a much more complex and nuanced Lara Croft and not just, you know, short shorts and. Exactly. Exactly. So there you go. Now for the actual lists. (laughs) which is you know the movies we think most deserve to be made into some really solid video games yes um you know probably my favorite example of like a video game being based on a film series and actually being a really good video game to kind of set the table for this list paul would be the Shadow of Mordor series oh yeah see I don't even know if that counts though it 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 sort of blurs it blurs the line in a bit because it's obviously it's not telling the exact story of Lord of the Rings or yeah. of the Hobbit, but it's clearly and very specifically based on the visual aesthetic that Peter Jackson established in Lord of the Rings films. Yes, it's heavily influenced by that and is set in the same universe, just in a different time period with some different characters. So that's where I would still count it and say that's probably why it succeeds is that it doesn't have to be a slave to being exactly what you saw on screen but can still kind of get what made what was on screen for a movie and translate it into a video game context in a way that works yeah and i would i would i'm gonna riff off of that actually and say the one that I think works really well, not coming from a direct movie, but from kind of one of those extended world, like an extended universe, Star Wars Battlefront. Mm. Man, those were awesome games, really fantastic games. Even the even the new ones have their their place. You know, I'm I'm not as big a fan of them as the old ones, which my son and I used to play like crazy we shot so many droids in in star wars battlefront one and two oh and they introduced so many cool new worlds that we had not seen in the movie so i thought that those were really super fun yeah then of course the golden eye for golden eye game for n64 classic classic that's the one that always comes up that is for sure always does so paul let's dig into these lists number five for you on top five movies that should be turned into video games. So number five on my list is going to be a really quick take. That would be Tenet. Tenet. And I only say that because I think spending 20, 30 hours playing a game about Tenet, I might actually understand the movie better. Mm. So that's where it would get me. 
I do think that there would be some cool effects, you know, in a tenant based video game. It would have sort of one of those portal type of feels to it in in a way where it would be twisty and turny and you'd have to manipulate all that. I think it would be pretty fun, but mainly it's just so I could get a better understanding of that story. No, you know what? That is actually a fantastic pick, and I didn't even think about that film, but it it does sort of speak to something that was going to show up on my list later on because similarly I think that film has things like Tenet that are actually probably better explored in a video game context just because of the things you can do from a gameplay perspective and the way you can tell the story over the course of you know 10 hours in or on the short end of a video game or 15 to 20 on the more average or even 30 to 40 hours on the longer end you know tenet certainly has enough with the type of things you could do creatively from a gameplay perspective and a storytelling perspective that that would be really interesting so that's a great number 5 pick why thank you number 5 on my list is much less complex in terms of the gameplay mechanics but much more rich in terms of storytelling <laughs> potential. And uh, I think, you know, what would make is uh, a film that would make a great video game is Eat Man. We've talked about Eat Man before. It's a <laughs> Chinese movie. What's that? <laughs> Your love of this movie it's just so goes no bound. Worth watching. But uh, it's it's a Chinese martial arts movie, and there's a there's a rich history of martial arts being pretty good in video games, especially in a rhythm combat setting with the Batman Arkham series, the Spider Man games. Like Eat Man is rich for, and of course, all your Mortal Kombat's and Street Fighters. Like the world of video games is ripe for using martial arts in really creative and powerful ways. And I think what makes Eat Man ripe for this is one, it's based on a true story in a historically uh, rich time setting in this part of China. And two, when you look at this, the way the story is told in the movies, it actually gives you opportunities both for some story-driven missions out in the real world as well as some pretty epic uh, boss fights. Uh, that you see in the Eat Man series on film that could be pretty well rendered, I think, in a video game context. And I was inspired even thinking I'm currently playing the game Ghost of Tsushima, uh, which is a, play- a PlayStation game set in feudal Japan uh, around samurais. And similarly, you get to, except with samurai skill sets instead of more martial arts, um, you know, you have these story-driven missions that involve doing stuff out and about in the world, but you also get these one-on-one duels. And Ip Man is just a uh, would I think translate really well. Hmm. Interesting. I might I think that that would be a fun, fun game. If if what I understand about Ip Man would be would you know you've talked about it so much it does seem like it would be a fun video game because i tell you what i love kind of those those martial arts games that that you you kind of push buttons and they do really cool things like in the mm-hmm. arkham games you know it's it's just those are fun games they are my number four pick is going to be something so completely different from that i'm ready a beautiful day in the neighborhood number four Oh my gosh. All right. Welcome to the chat, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
now and does this, count, does this count like a movie based on a TV show? Like, are you basing the game on the movie or no, on I'm, the TV show? I am basing it on the person, Mr. Rogers. So here's cheater, here's the cool cheater. Thing. No, this is the cool, cool this is, thing. About this it. is like what I imagine you feel like when I come up with these types of picks <laughs> on other lists. No, it it totally makes sense because you have. Very relational. Makes sense, but it violates the concept of the list. It does not violate the concept of the list. This is a movie that you can base on. And see, you you get the line where you have Mr. Rogers. He says, you are the most important person in my life right now. Now, in when you look at the video game world, you have a lot of video games that base some of their gameplay on relationships, you know, you think about a, a lot of a lot of uh, role playing games. You have that where you have to develop these relationships with your followers. Uh, the Persona games have these relationships that you have to con- con- continually level up so you can do something. I say, get rid of all the fighting. Get rid of all the fighting, and it's just about making people feel good. Okay. About people really loving you, loving life, feeling better about themselves. It's all about that interaction to teach you how to be a better person. Now, isn't that a game that we could use? A game that teaches you to be better, to be more relational, to be more in the moment? Ah, seems like a winner of a video game. Yeah, I mean, all the parents will love it. Now, will the kids be into it? That's a good question. My other question is, okay, you you talk about these video games that allow you to develop relationships and make relational decisions. The problem is, Paul, in order for that to be interesting, you have to allow the characters to make bad decisions or maybe better characterized as negative decisions. And so if we're putting users in the role of Fred Rogers... Are we really going to give them the opportunity to make to tarnish Mr. Rogers? You know, are we going to we're going to be getting screenshots and video shares of like Fred Rogers wasted, you know, you know, doing karaoke topless at a bar because he the players are like that's hilarious. I love making Fred Rogers do terrible things, which gets back to our free guy discussion. Free will is a terrible thing, but Mr. Rogers had free will throughout his entire life. So, but I'm saying in the game, are we giving people the oh, opportunity yeah. to to make Mr. Rogers do terrible things or can they only choose good things? No, no, they, they can do terrible things. You can do bad things as Mr. Rogers. Head a puppy, breed a puppy, kill a puppy. <laughs> Which do you do? <laughs> but you're not going to win the game that way. I mean, you can do terrible things, but if you want to win the game, you have to make everyone love you. Every time you pick a bad decision, it's like, you just see him shaking his head sadly. Like it's choose your own adventure and you've picked the wrong choice. So it's like you can pick it, sure, but then he's just going to shake his head sadly. You'll be dumped back to the choice screen until you pick the right decision. It has some sad, you know, 1980s, 16-bit music. Yeah. Number four on my list, The Rundown. The Rundown. Yes, what mm-hmm. inspired. What inspired the rundown for me is its mix of hand-to-hand combat, which we talked about with Ip Man, a lot of possibilities for the rhythm combat, but then you also, unlike Spider-Man or Batman, get to include guns. (laughs) This is... (laughs) Which makes it a little bit more akin to the Deadpool video game, 
you know, where you can do hand-to-hand combat, you can use your katana, and then you've also got what they call gun kata, which gun is kata. your swords and your guns and stuff like that. The rundown gives you that opportunity, but also sets it in a universe of humor. And so for me, it felt like if we took the best of the Uncharted video games, right, sort of the South America exotic adventures and treasure hunting, married that with the rhythm combat of something like an Arkham Knight or a Deadpool, except you add the guns in with the Deadpool angle. And then you've got the humor of The Rock and Sean William Scott and uh, Christopher Walken. Paul, that seems like video game gold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I'm really noticing so far with your list is how violent they all are. How violent yeah. they all are. Paul, I'm a I'm a I'm a 30 something white cisgender <laughs> male. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Number 3 for me. This is, this kind of lends itself to maybe a little bit of violence, but I think it would be a tremendous video game. Ben Hur. Yeah, a little bit of like animal violence, which you know. Yeah, I'm all well, about. well, and and you do have the ships. Not guys, I'm not into animal stuff. violence. Right. But but the truth is, we would really concentrate. The whole video game would really concentrate on the chariot races because mm. if you remember from the movie. Judah Ben-Hur spends a lot of time in Rome and in in Judea and all this sort of stuff as this he becomes this famous charioteer. So it would be sort of the Gran Turismo of chariot racing. Like okay. you could you could soup up your chariots, you could pick your horses, you could get better horses, you could figure out where the horses should run. Spins. You could decide whether to have like little blades on your on your little wheels like Masala does. I hope that's his name. Masala does on, on those things, and and so you could just have this this chariot racing um, simulation, which I would totally buy. I would buy that in a heartbeat. That would be great. That would be pretty interesting. I think there was some chariot racing, uh, though not to that level of complexity or customization, in one of the recent Assassin's Creed games. Uh, and so there, there could be some interesting customization options there. Um, you know, people do love to pay for skins and upgrades and, you know, different, uh, modifications to their chariots and yeah, maybe you get a better set of reins. They can control the horses more. You get some fancy horses from Arabia that run a little bit better. I mean, at the very least, this needs to be sort of a, uh, add on, game mode to rocket league so we could do some like chariot soccer <laughs> inside rocket league that'd be pretty sweet i i would be in favor all right number three for you number three for me district nine Ooh, district nine yeah now we're introducing some sci-fi and some aliens into the mix uh but we get to play as aliens in this case, not as humans gunning down aliens. In District 9, we could be aliens gunning down humans, which more problematic for Plugged In. I get that. But yeah, in the context be- of the narrative of District 9, where you're exploring apartheid and racial tensions and 
in South Africa with aliens being ghettoized and all this sort of stuff. Like you have some really complex storylines to to navigate with some pretty cool alien creature design and weaponry and uh Charlton copley i mean great accents in there i mean this stuff is it, yeah. it'd be basically like if you took the max Payne video games changed your protagonist into an alien and there you go just went to town just yeah. went down yeah yes not only have all your video games been violent thus far but they've been getting progressively more violent and deadly that's true well, that's not going to stop yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I'm I'm up with that. Number two, for me, not a violent video game. See, I am so I am just a bastion of positivity. That's I right. Am, We're talking I'm about the guy all about healthy living. Talking about the guy that plays Skyrim and organizes his bookshelf. <laughs> what else do you expect? <laughs> that's important. It's important in the game. That's right. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. Exactly. Number two, Nomadland. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I don't, what? <laughs> okay. So Nomadland. We, we know that it's the story of, of this woman who goes across. She just wanders around the country in her van, which she is named Vanguard, and she works odd jobs. And she, um, she, just, uh, she just lives on her own. But it seems like it would be a great Sid Meier type of game, right? Where you take this character and the goal is to you earn a little bit of money so you can fix up your van and you can do these little attachments to your van to make it look cooler and niftier and stuff. You can get maybe silverware for it or a nice little radio for it. So you can build these things up and then you would continue to earn the money so that you could travel to these national parks. And that would be the goal to travel to all these national parks. You'd have to deal with the van breaking down every once in a while. So you'd have to sort of plan that but it would really be just sort of it would be an impoverished adventure game where you're exploring new worlds you could even you know now that i'm thinking about it why would you need to necessarily set it in america you could have it going anywhere you could have it you could have the van driving through the through the lands of skyrim or through who knows but it does seem like for people who enjoy to to build and to explore and to earn money which a lot of video games do that that seems like it would be a great mixture nomad land nomad land number two on paul's list number two on my list because I'm not even going to dignify Paul's ridiculous. <laughs> I, thought, pick I think that would be a very compelling video game. Very compelling. Number two on my list is probably the most controversial because of the fact that technically somebody did make a video game about it once, but I don't count it for the purposes <laughs> of this list. Number two on my list is Underworld. Now, how can you not count that? How so can you not count that? Their Underworld came out in 2003. Kate Beckinsale flick. Uh, pretty great. Pretty great action. Pseudo horror. Not really. Yeah. Not amazing. Not going to win any Oscars. But 
you know, it was of the time. You know, you had The Matrix, you had Equilibrium. Why not make those films except as vampire werewolf uh, <laughs> you know, showdowns, right? It's sort of at the beginning of the vampire werewolf showdown fad, right? Before there was Twilight, yeah. you had Underworld. <laughs> so in 04, they released a video game called Underworld The Eternal War. But two things. It was a top-down shooter video game, which, yeah, I don't – like that's pretty lame, in most cases. Well, yeah. Especially, Especially when you're talking about vampires and werewolves, there's so many other cool things you could do. And I know that Kate Beckinsale uses guns, but it seems like there's more you can do with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's tons of cool combat stuff you can do in this scenario, as well as stealth stuff. Um, and it was developed by a company called Lucky Chicken Games, Paul. So um, <laughs> that kind of tells you all you need to know about the fact then I don't count this game. It was a top-down shooter made by a studio called Lucky Chicken Games. So, uh, yeah, that's why it doesn't count. But exactly to your point, you've got this dark setting. If you handed the IP of Underworld to a studio like Naughty Dog that has done the Uncharted series, that has done The Last of Us to much critical acclaim, you know, sort of dealing with these... Uh, really extreme, you know, character driven, but also pretty, you know, uh, pretty serious action games. I think you could do a lot with the the story because you have these human characters uh, that, you know, not human characters, but humanoid characters in the vampires, as well as the, the lichens who are the werewolves who can transform. And there's a lot of variety you can build into the gameplay, both through the stealth with the vampires and the brutality of the lichens and some pretty cool weaponry that we see used by Kate Beckinsale and other characters in the Underworld series. There's a lot of slick things that could be done in the video game universe when it in the hands of the right publisher. Not a top-down shooter made by Lucky Chicken Games. <laughs> okay. All right. So after all this, Jake, you have convinced me to go violent. All right. Number one on your list. Number one on my list. This is a game I would definitely play. And you will know as soon as I say it why. Okay. Night of the Lepus. <laughs> so <laughs> a couple of episodes back we uh we talked about this uh this movie that that was a hurt so good movie about these uh killer rabbits that grew to amazing sizes. The movie was terrible as we knew it was going to be. A video game of it would be awesome. Awesome. Because you would be running around chasing these gigantic rabbits with guns, knives, bazookas, whatever you could layer your hand on, trying to save the world from these gigantic bunny rabbits. Uh, you could have some really cool, we didn't see any bosses in the movie, of course, but you could make up these great rabbit bosses that you would need to take down. You could have this these great sets of, of, of these towns overrun by gigantic rabbits. Um, why you could just do so much with this game and it would be it would be one of those games where you could shoot as many rabbits as you wanted and not feel bad about it at all because you are saving the world okay so that version of it i could see as sort of an arcade game you know just give me a shotgun and throw a bunch of rabbits on screen that i get to blow 
I got to hold the shotgun in my hands and blow them away on yeah, the yeah, arcade yeah. game yeah. screen. Yeah. If I was going to make a bigger video game than that, or just like a non-arcade version of that, I would actually probably go the goat simulator route, Paul. Are you um, familiar with goat simulator? I am though? familiar with goat simulator. You know, it's a, it's <laughs> physics based slapstick humor. You know, you're playing as the goat. I would want to play as the rabbit and get to increase well, my forces <laughs> and like try to dominate you know, the human beings. Yeah. See, and, and that actually totally makes sense. I could totally go with that with, with being a rabbit, but I think you would just have two modes of gameplay. What I'm picturing is more of a left for dead type of experience where you are, you are one of these people who is dealing with the bunny apocalypse and you just have to kill a lot of rabbits. There you go. Did you know that they have a Sharknado video game? No, really? Yeah. For the iPhone. <laughs> so we could get a night of the leapus video game for the iphone as well oh, there you man. go i i tell you what someone truly needs to make that that game i would i would pay somebody to make that game not a lot but i would definitely buy it number one on my list probably will come as no surprise to those in the know because when this movie came out a lot of people said you know if you took groundhog day and you made it a sci-fi video game, it might look a little bit like Edge of Tomorrow or sometimes known as Live, Die, Repeat. You almost think that that movie is based on a video game because of of the, the, the whole conceit of the movie, right? That's right. The whole conceit of the movie of having to this being thrust into this position of reliving the same day over and over and over and over and over and over again – and having to learn new things and try to figure out what's going on to you and what's going on with you and to you as you figure out what's going on in the world and how to defeat this alien force actually is a pretty fascinating thing to do. Sort of that's where I was coming back to with Tenet, playing around with the concept of time and knowledge, and, and it, but it's in its own way, um, is pretty unique in the things you could do from a gameplay perspective. In fact, um, there's a game that just came out, a third person shooter that just came out for the PlayStation five and uh, called Returnal. That is not altogether entirely dissimilar from this type of concept. And it's gotten a lot of uh, really good reviews for the way it forces you to learn and relearn as you play and die and have to try again and die and very similar in concept. And that's why, but I think you put it in the edge of tomorrow context, maybe a little bit more action, a little less horror like Returnal is. And that's a game I'd play. Yeah. Yeah. That actually made my short list. Oddly enough, two, two movies with the word tomorrow in them made my short list as I was thinking about this list edge of tomorrow for, for obvious reasons. Cause it really does feel in some ways like a, a, a video game. Um, and it was a really good movie too. It was a very was. good movie. The other one was the tomorrow war. I thought that that would be kind of a fun video game to play because you've got the creatures all built in. You've got the bosses already there. You can you can totally picture it. Forget about going back in time or or you know trying to find these creatures before they jump out. You just got to kill them all. You just got to go. got to kill them all. It's like Pokemon. There you have it. Our top ten <laughs> list of movies that should be turned into video games. What do you think? You agree or disagree? 
You want to tell Paul how crazy he is for thinking we should let people do insanely criminal things with Fred Rogers, as he advocated for just a few minutes ago on this very show? Let us know on Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. Be nice. And now it's time for the most least important thing. Here we are at the most least important thing, the way we love to wrap up every single little show of ours, taking the minutiae and throwing it under a microscope and trying to convince ourselves that this is, this is the real problem. This is, this, is the, this is the big deal. This is what's going on. Or sometimes we do vice versa and we look at the mountains and pop culture and we tell everyone they're not wearing any clothes. That's how that metaphor goes. It's the most least important thing. <laughs> Paul, I'm kicking us off today and tangential to our conversations about movies being turned into video games. I'm here today to tell you about a TV show that is being turned into a tabletop role-playing game. What? An Avatar The Last Airbender slash Legend of Korra-based tabletop RPG game has now become so successful that its creator, Magpie Games, has run out of stretch goals for its Kickstarter campaign. (laughs) Really? Yes. It broke through the campaign's $5 million funding target, which is a really good problem to have. The problem being that it has now is uh, how do we incentivize people to give us more money so we can make this game even better, which is an enviable position as a tabletop game company, I imagine. I would imagine so. But, that is- ah, how do we get people to give us more money when they've given us more than we ever asked for? <laughs> yeah, that is a good problem to have. That's like having 17 prom dates. Yes, I am very fascinated. I've recently started playing some more tabletop games, uh, one of my son's friends who happens to live in the, close by in my neighborhood, his the friend's father has invited me a couple of times into the game night that he hosts with other friends of his. And I am now exploring all of these like uh, Mars exploration role-playing games. Mars exploration. Is that what it's, I forget, I forget it what it's called. Is it called Mars exploration? I believe no, so. No, terraforming Mars is what it's called. Yeah, and it, in any you have to you know raise the temperature and you have yep. to get the, oxygen yeah. levels and very complex stuff. It's a very complex game. It is really. Complex. I mean, the turns end up by the end of the game taking people ten fifteen minutes for one turn. <laughs> yeah, those those are amazing games. Actually, I I really enjoy them, but I can't say that I understand them that well. I like every time I play Terraforming Mars, I pretty much have to relearn like how to do it because it just seems so insanely complicated. There's all these little different things that you have to do. So, but they make some really great tabletop games now. I mean, like the art style is really impressive. The complexity, um, like we just played, what's that? The teamwork that you do in many of them. Right. Like there's this one that I just played called Wingspan. It's about birds. Have you played this one? No, I have not. 
it's gorgeous art style. Like you just look at this stuff and you're like, oh my word, I want to just look at all the pieces you've made and you're bored. Like this is lovely stuff. And yet it's this complex game. And yeah, teamwork that's involved in some of them is bananas. Yeah, it's crazy. So I have to tell you, one of the the most complex tabletop games that I've played, Civilization, a tabletop mm. game based on a, a on video. video game. Yeah. It had the box is about as big as my desk because it has like 15,000 figures that you have to put on it. And it's just, it is amazingly complicated. Just setting it up would take an hour. It's but like a multi-weekend type of game. Yeah, it is It is definitely a fun game, though. I, I, I love, I love games. I'm more of a Settlers of Catan, Ticket to Ride type of person. Of mid-range. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But I do like them a lot better than Monopoly and Risk back in the day. Yeah. So just my final little bit, this Avatar game, which I would probably, now that I'm getting into tabletop games, I, and I like Avatar The Last Airbender, this might be a, a good place to dabble and get my own tabletop game collection started. Do you want to know what its initial Kickstarter goal was, Paul? How much? $50,000. What? And it made $5 million? It made $5 million. It broke its $50,000 funding goal in 16 minutes. oh man the campaign launched on august 3rd and yes today when we're recording august 16th uh it actually uh it broke yeah it broke through the goal today august 16th or not the goal through the five million dollar mark after less than two weeks ago hoping to raise fifty thousand. goodness gracious jake we really need to figure out a really grand idea and start a Kickstarter campaign. There we go. We got to do it. I think all my video game ideas were great ones. We should start a Kickstarter with a, with a, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. There we go. All right. My most least important thing. This is something I just ran across. It, it was a very odd, odd thing that I ran across on Twitter, actually. Okay. Um, Stakem. Are you familiar with the Twitter account of Stakem? Uh, not the Twitter account, though the product, Yes. Yeah, so essentially the Twitter account sort of went rogue a little bit, although I think they do this quite a bit. From what I understand, they they talk about cultural issues of the day, and they started this Twitter this Twitter thread uh, talking about, it's time to talk about societal distrust in experts and institutions, the rise of misinformation, cultural polarization, and how to work towards some semblance of mutually agreed upon information before we splinter into irreconcilable realities. Mm. That is a lot of really high syllable words for Twitter. Number one. Number one. And number two, it comes from this, this marketing firm, you know, it's for it's a, a product whose name literally includes the phrase we all use when we can't think of long words. Um, <laughs> exactly. So this, this thread goes like through six or seven of, of, of tweets at separate treats. And, and it just goes on and on and on and talks about just having sort of this discussion about how we can come together a little bit more, find the, this, this, uh, some way to bring and you know it used covid as sort of the the launching pad for it how we can come to some sort of mutually agreed upon understanding of what information to accept blah 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 it was a really thought provoking series of tweets to be honest with you 
Um, but then it ends with this. It says, you can maintain healthy levels of skepticism while also extending trust where it's earned by empirical evidence and expertise. Use critical thinking, work towards solutions with one another, and remember, this whole thread was an ad, so please buy our frozen meat. Mm. Which, <laughs> you know, ads have come a long way from when I was a child. That's and they right. just had Toucan Sam trying to sell us fruit loops by following your nose. I so tell you what, you I tell you what, Paul, as someone who has spent a few years in the world of social media and marketing, uh, I'm a fan of that approach. And I like, I've usually had to do the opposite. I've had to take something that was more serious and try to find ways to make it feel I more am. accessible to people. Mm-hmm. And that's still what I do today. <laughs> so for somebody to take something that's very simple and accessible and easy to understand and just try to shove it right into the mess <laughs> and the mulch of of our civil dialogue on civility or yeah. cultural dialogue on civility, I mean, that is, that's a bold move as, you know, as they, Jason, uh, oh my gosh, my brain just is not working today, Paul. <laughs> oh my God. No, like I cannot think of his name from from Arrested Development. What is the freaking actor's name? Oh, Jason yeah. Bateman. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Jason Bateman famously said in Dodgeball, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for him. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's a, it is definitely an unusual way to advertise, and you wouldn't think it would work, but apparently they're doing something right. I mean, this, oh, this I hope it moves their sales numbers. I do too. For the sake of that social media person. And to actually have, you know, whether you agree or disagree with what they say, it's interesting to have an attempt at thoughtful conversation on Twitter. There, there you go. Speaking of Twitter, you can find us and lots of thoughtful conversation, especially on my Twitter account, <laughs> at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AZ Paul. But until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye.